Good morning, everyone. All right, I think we can do a little louder. Good morning. There it is. There, I like that, that little shout. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm Pastor HK. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Church. And again, it is such an honor and privilege to be here with you guys this morning. And, and I know that you know, every time I come up, I usually say this, and I, I mean it seriously. Like every time I come up, it's such a, I have a lot of butterflies right now. And so please keep me in your prayers. And please um, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me and speak, speak through me. I pray that you know, today's message will be a blessing to all of you guys. But as Pastor Todd mentioned, that we're wrapping up our sermon series on running from God, you know, the book of Jonah. And before we start, I just want to share, you know, my little bit of a testimony that I had as I was preparing for today's message. A few weeks ago, I actually went on a vacation by the grace of God. I went on a vacation, and I started my vacation by injuring my lower back by playing flag football. I played in a league and with my friends and it was rainy day and I was running, I was scrambling, I was about to score a touchdown, one defender away and I was backpedaling because in flag football it's all about, you know, getting your flags being pulled and stuff. So I was backpedaling and in my mind I was like, man, turn, you know, I need to turn so I can run normally and score a touchdown. But unfortunately, with my out of shape body, I couldn't turn as I wanted to and I ended up tripping and I, and I landed on my lower back. For those of you that have injured your lower back or any kind of sport injuries, man, it's excruciating. And for this one, I have to admit, I was in a lot of pain the moment I landed because my lower back just exploded on me. The pain, I mean, it was just a pure explosion of pain. And I remember I was on the ground like in agony. I couldn't even find a sweet spot to, to comfort myself, none of that. I was, any movement, any position I, I've done, I was just in tears in my heart, and, and I had to bite my shirt because I couldn't express my pain the way I wanted to. So I was biting my shirt. I was just trying to, you know, cry out to God saying, Lord, you need to come and do something about this. And it was a bit more overwhelming because my mom and I, we, we, were, we planned to go to Texas to see my sister the next few days. And so the timing was just horrible, but by the grace of God, I went to acupuncture, and bam, I think I was well enough to go. And so, you know, we flew down Texas, Round Rock, Texas, for those of you that are familiar with the area. And we, and our, we had a family trip. Um, I don't remember the last time I actually had a family trip because, you know, it's been such a chaotic years for us. But we went and we actually drove down to South Padre Island from Round Rock, Texas. Any of you guys that went to South Padre Island before? No? Raise your hand. Okay, I see some few hands. I mean, it's a beautiful place. It is six hours drive from Round Rock, Texas. It was far. My sister did not tell us that it's going to be a six-hour drive. In fact, the moment we landed and she picked us up, she said, yeah, it's going to be a six-hour drive. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I had to live up of my Edville on this one. And so we drove down. We had a great time. Actually, there's a family picture that I want to share with you guys. I don't know if you guys can see. So this, that's my mom, my older sister, and her three kids. My nephew, he's very shy. I don't know why he became shy. He used to be really good with photos, but my sister told me that lately, all he wants to do is, whenever it comes to uh, pictures, he, was, he just want to take pictures with his dad. And so, unfortunately, my brother-in-law couldn't make it to this trip. But um, that's, yeah, the little ones here. Joyce is in the middle. She's the oldest. Uh, she and I, we're exactly 20 years apart. Sean is seven and a half. Again, so much joy overflowing in his face. And then Grace, the youngest, Grace is the youngest. She's um, 
two and a half years old, uh, turning three soon. So, I mean, it was a great time. Again, I, mean, I miss them dearly. I actually had a chance to raise the first two because when my sister was pregnant with them, she actually lived with us for a few years. And so I had a chance to change their diapers, you know, give them bath and all that stuff. And so, I mean, it was an unforgettable moment with them. Um, but, yeah, it was a great time. And I remember as we were at the, at the island, South Padre Island, you know, we were at the beach, you know, playing and stuff. And, again, my back was still very tight. And, and I was, you know, swimming in the water with them. And I remember that, you know, when you injure your lower back, usually the water therapy, like swimming, that usually helps a lot. Um, for any doctors, if I'm wrong, I, I forgive me. But that's what I've heard and that's what I was informed. That if you hurt your back, you want to swim or you want to kind of move in the water. And so the little time that I had to myself at the beach, I would do, you know, lunges. I would squat. I would try to keep my back loose. You know, all the things I can possibly do because the season is still going for me. The flag football season is still going. And so I'm trying to get back into the game. And I remember I got swept away by a couple of the waves. But then there were few, there, there, there was this one particular wave that just knocked the wind out of me. It blindsided me. And I remember it actually gave me a little bit of back spasm because of it. it that's how strong it was. And, and I remember as I was recovering, it dawned on me. It dawned on me how small I was as I was swimming in the ocean. It dawned on me how this wave I mean, again, it was just a small wave, but still, it, it got me enough where my back was aching and I couldn't really ground myself, like all this stuff. And I just felt really small. But on top of that, as I felt really small in the situation, it dawned on me how big our God is. And I don't know how there was a correlation with the wave and my back pain and God in that equation, but it just happened. I really believe the Holy Spirit just kind of in a way humbled me and wanted to speak to me that I am nothing without God in the most graceful way that God can possibly have spoken to me. And as I was preparing my message during my vacation, I, I came up with this, I received this fresh revelation that our God, that my God, your God, is sovereign, that God is sovereign God. And as I was just, you know, in a way thinking about this concept of the word sovereign, sovereignty of God, I mean, I don't know about you, but in United Methodist Church, at least where I grew up, the word sovereignty wasn't used as much for some reason. And so it, was such a, it, was a, it wasn't as common as I, you know, in my faith journey at a, at a UMC. But the word sovereignty of God, for me, I really believe that when you hear this word, it means supreme power and authority over all things. The sovereignty of God means that God has supreme power and authority over all things. And that's the framework that I want us to, to remember and, and for us to navigate as we go over the last chapter of book of Jonah. Because Jonah, I really believe that he kind of forgot about sovereignty of God in his journey. Or maybe he just couldn't fully accept it. And so I pray and hope that as we navigate through this, um, this last chapter that the Holy Spirit will speak to us and, and lead us closer to him. Amen. So I just want to give a brief summary of the last three chapters. Remember chapter one, Pastor John spoke uh, three, four, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. And, and what happened? 
chapter 1 was all about no thank you God by Jonah. Right, Jonah received a message and I mean it was a clear message. But then this is, imagine this is not Drake or imagine this is Jonah. Jonah said no thank you. Literally said no thank you to God. And what happened? He planned his own escape route. He, he just didn't want to accept it. And literally turned his head and said I'm just going to do my own thing. That's what happened in chapter 1. Chapter 2 happens, you know, what happens? He, his plan failed. He couldn't outrun God. And as Pastor Todd shared that message. And he ended up getting swallowed by this fish. And spent, his, spent three days in the belly of the fish. What happened? He repented. He prayed and everything, right? I mean, he had nowhere to go, literally. And then chapter 3, what happened? Pastor Tony shared this message. Chapter 3 when he came out of the fish and he was so reluctant to preach the gospel. The very gospel, the very message that, that God gave him in chapter 1. He was so reluctant that this is Jonah right here where in his heart there was so much fire going on. Where he's telling himself, this is fine, this is fine as he's preaching to the Ninevites. But to be honest, it wasn't fine for him. Remember that? It wasn't fine for Jonah. He was forcing himself, he forced himself to go and share the gospel. And he was trying to convince, convince himself, this is fine. But in his heart, there's all fire. It was a mess. There's a smoke up here. It was chaos in his heart. Now, as we go over the chapter 4, the final chapter, I just want to encourage all of us that as we read this, we're going to witness, witness the climax of the climax. But on top of that, we're going to witness Jonah's honesty and his vulnerability to God, with God. And I want to encourage all of us that you know, we will receive today's message, chapter 4, with grace and empathy. Because why? All of us, every single one of us in this room, and for those of you that are joining us online, every single one of us, we can relate to Jonah. We can relate to Jonah. So here we go. Verse 1 through 4. I just, we just want to start from there. Let's read together. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? What just happened? End of chapter 3. End of chapter 3. You guys, for those of you that have joined us last week. End of chapter 3, Jonah witnessed. He witnessed revival from the Ninevites. Right, he preached reluctantly, but still he did it. And then the Ninevites, what happened? They received the word. Even the king received it. And he and then the, the entire nation confessed and repented of their sins. And God saw that in chapter 3, verse, the final verse. God saw it and witnessed it. And he showed compassion. He showed mercy to the Ninevites. And so Jonah is starting with this, uh, to, with chapter 4 saying, but Jonah, with that, it didn't make any sense. He was angry that God showed mercy to the Ninevites. Now, from a pastor's perspective, 
it makes it makes more no, no sense if that makes sense. Where Jonah is angry at this result because why? He witnessed thousands of people repenting, thousands of people saying, "God, forgive me. I have we have sinned. Man, forgive us. Have mercy upon us." As a pastor, man, that's a that's a success right there. Right, pastors? I mean, that's why we want to witness. We want to we want to preach the gospel, and we want to see the people that we preach to repent and turn to God. And yet Jonah, for Jonah, for some reason, he couldn't comprehend. He couldn't connect. And, and Jonah was so angry at the results of this great outcome that he felt like he'd rather just die. I mean, this is some raw moments that we see between Jonah and God. Amen? And so let's continue. Uh, but, oh, sorry. Before we continue, I mean, notice it in verse 4, right? But the Lord replied, Despite Jonah's explosion of emotion, Jonah, I mean, God replied, is it right for you to be angry? I believe that's the first gracious response that we see from God. Let's continue. Now, verse 5. Jonah had gone out after that dialogue with God. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. He just waited. Now, scholars believe that when Jonah made a shelter around this time in this region, there was no trees or, or, or leaves to kind of cover his shade. So most likely Jonah just made shelter and he made walls around him. Maybe got rocks, boulders, I have no idea. But he just made walls around him. So there's nothing over his head. So most likely the only shade he could have got was maybe just, you know, clouds hovering over him and stuff like that. But Again, it was hot too. I mean, in this region, this, this area, whoo, it's hotter than Texas. All the scholars can say that it's hotter than Texas. It's, it's scorched. It's, it's, it's hot. That's all I can say. But the next picture that I want to show you guys is this, where I really believe that Jonah was waiting and waiting like Mr. Bean. That he was looking at his non-existent watch and saying, man, anything going to happen? Anything going to happen to the Ninevites? Like he was really hoping for something. He was waiting and waiting and waiting for something. He was waiting for something to, to happen. So as he was waiting, let's go to, let's continue with our scripture. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plan. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die again and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Jonah is on a losing streak, isn't he? If you look from chapter 1, 2, 3, and even up till now, he's on this losing streak as a prophet. He couldn't outrun God. He couldn't just come up with his own plan and do, the, you know, do his own thing. Ended up being on the belly of a fish for three days. None of us can really relate to that, but we can just imagine how horrible that must have been. And then what? He reluctantly 
went to the Ninevites, his enemy, people that he genuinely despised. And yet God said, go preach the message of mercy and, and repentance. And he did. So for Jonah, nothing was going as he wanted to, except the leafy plant that lasted for maybe a few hours. The only thing that gave him comfort in this whole book of cha four chapters of Jonah is, is the leafy plant. But what happened? Even the leafy plant did not last long. And the moment it went away, the moment it went away, and he got heat stroke, most likely, with that heat, he became angry, and he wanted to die once again. Now, let's continue. Verse 9. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Now, before we continue, continue let me ask you this. Can you see yourself responding to God like that? Ooh, I don't know about you. See, when I was reading this scripture, this chapter, and I, and I stopped at verse 9, I just couldn't really comprehend the reality that Jonah has such a confidence. He has so much guts to say, God, I have every right to be angry with you. Or I have every right to be angry right now. And for, to, for, for Jonah, for, for him to even say, God, I wish I was just dead multiple times. I don't know about you guys, but man, like he, that, that's a lot to process. And, and, and now let's read the last two verses. And this, I really want us to pay attention to this. Verse, the last two verses. It says, but the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. And that's how chapter 4 ends. With God asking this question to him, to Jonah once again. As I mentioned with you earlier that only the leafy plant gave comfort to Jonah. And Jonah genuinely got upset that the leafy plant was removed from his life. But notice how as a prophet, he was, ne he was never upset at the fact that the Ninevites did not know about God. As a prophet, their role is very simple. It's to be the messenger of, of God. It's to deliver God's word, God's message to the people that God has called them to do. Simple, simple duty. I mean, holy, holy duty, but simple. And yet, as a prophet, he couldn't, he had no empathy to the Ninevites that, man, those people, those hundreds, thousands of people did not know about God. But instead, Jonah felt like, honestly, forget them. They deserve the wrath of God. They did. And the story ends like this, where God is saying, is it right for you to be angry? Like, who are you, Jonah, to be angry? 
See, as I was reading this, as I was, you know, um, preparing this message, I couldn't help but to, you know, witness my toes curled up and about to break because why? I felt like I was Jonah too, that I am like Jonah at times, many times. I mean, Jonah's behavior is what? It's, it's petty, selfish, spiteful, fearful, proud, self-absorbed. It's, it was all about him, 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 him throughout his entire journey. Maybe chapter two where he kind of knew that, oh, shoot, I'm, I'm in trouble when he was in the belly of a fish. But that did not last long, obviously. Many of us, as I share with you guys, that we have to leave Jonah with empathy and grace because why? We're like that too. We're like Jonah as well. We're like Jonah where we can easily be self-absorbed, petty, spiteful, selfish, proud, fearful. You see, Jonah had this idea... He had a great theology about God. He did. Remember earlier in the chapter where he said, God, I knew you were gracious and compassionate. I knew you were abounding in love. I knew that if you see people repent, that you're going to show mercy. God had great theology. I mean, Jonah had great theology. Like some or many of us do. But when it was time for him to walk the walk, when it was time for him to really apply this theology that he believed in, in his head, there was some kind of a disconnection in his heart. There was some kind of disconnection in his heart. And when it was, tr- when it was the time for him to truly apply and be the prophet, to be the messenger of God to the Ninevites, to the nation that he hated, he just couldn't accept that God was their God as well. That God called them, called the Ninevites his own as well. That God had mercy, he, God had grace over the Ninevites as well. He just couldn't accept it. And I personally believe that that disconnection happened. That disconnection from the head to the heart happened when Jonah forgot that God was sovereign, that the sovereignty of God was somehow forgotten in his faith journey, at least in this four chapters of time frame. And I thank God that this book made it to the Bible because why? Every single one of us, we can relate to him. And the question that I want to share with you guys is, how do we live with the view of God's sovereignty in our faith journey then? How do we learn from Jonah's mistakes? That's the question that I want us to share with you guys. And the first thing is this. The first thing I believe that we need to remember is that God is a, God is a giver of life. God is a giver of life. Simple statement, but powerful statement that we tend to forget and we tend to literally forget every day in our lives. That every time we wake up in the morning, you and I, we forget that God is the one who wakes us up in the morning. That God is the one who gives us life, that who gave us life from the beginning. In Genesis 2, 7, the creation story, 
I mean, it says this, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Before that, the, the man did not, he was not a, the man was not a living being until the breath of life from God entered into the body of this man. Gracefully and respectfully, I'm going to say this, that you and I, without the breath of God, without the breath of life from our Savior, we are nothing but a dust of the ground. We're nothing. Our accomplishments, our, our status, our resume means absolutely nothing. If we forget that God is the one who gave us life, and without the giver of life in our lives, it all means nothing. It all means nothing. And the second point that I want to share with you guys is this, that, that we need to understand that we need to constantly remind ourselves that God, the, the, we have to remember the greatness of our God. The greatness of our God. And I want to remind all of us that God is too big. Where God is not some, you know, our, our, our smartphone-sized God. Where we can just simply pull it out from our pocket and say, oh, God, where are you at? And text him or something. God is not our, you know, iPhone size or Galaxy size, whatever the phone that you guys have. I'm sorry, but God is so much bigger than this. God is so much bigger than this. And, and the scripture that I want to share with you guys is, comes from Isaiah 6. This is when prophet Isaiah received his calling to be a prophet and to share his message. And just read how powerful his encounter was with God. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I, prophet Isaiah, saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, which each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. This is not just some fictional story that, the, that made it to the Bible. No, Isaiah, prophet Isaiah, in faith, we believe that he actually witnessed God and this vision was real, was accurate. In verse 1 of, of Isaiah 6, the Lord actually means Adonai, and that's the Hebrew word for the Lord. And Adonai actually means my, my Lord and my master. Over all things in my life, in a, such a personal and intimate way, so when Isaiah saw the vision, he's saying, Adonai, my Lord, my master, over all things in my life that I can possibly offer, Lord, woe is me, woe to me, I am ruined. Because he was in the presence of God, he was in the presence of the glory of our Savior, that he knew that he was nothing but a speck of dust. That he was just in awe of God's beauty. And he was unraveled and he couldn't help but to feel unraveled. And the, even the seraphim, the, the angelic beings, I mean, even they were covering their faces. 
Even they were covering their feet to show their almost respect and honor and adoration to God. See, that's the God that we worship. That's the greatness of our God. And last point that I want to share with you guys is, for God so loved the world. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Something that I think all of us are familiar of. Even the non-Christians know this. In fact, I think John 3.16, I could be wrong on this one, but I'm pretty sure it's still probably the most searched Bible verse in Google search engine, or maybe it was back in the day when Tim Tebow played for college. But John 3.16, something that you and I, we can easily remember and recite, top of our heads. But this scripture, this verse, I, I mean, for God so loved the world. Let me personalize this. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, that whenever you believe in him, you, you shall not perish, but you will have eternal life. My question is for this morning is how many of us actually truly believe this and, and, and the scripture actually moves our heart? To the core. You see, Jonah just, he knew that God was, God was what? Gracious and compassionate on all these great characters of him. God, Jonah knew that. But unfortunately, he has so much stuff going on in his heart that he couldn't really comprehend what happened. We have no idea how, what happens next after. Jonah 4 ends with God saying, is it right for you to be angry? Because I want to save thousands of my people. Jonah could have thrown his another tantrum saying, God, I'd rather just die. Or maybe Jonah finally listened and understood that, man, you're right, God. You're right. I have seen the king. I have seen my Adonai. That you are sovereign, Lord. Who am I to question your authority and your power? Who am I to question it? And I believe that Jonah made it to heaven, that we get to see Jonah when we go to heaven. And maybe we can ask him then, but I'm pretty sure Jonah experienced the sovereignty of God, God's grace, grace and mercy once again. And for those of us in this room that are joining us online or here, I want to just ask you guys, as we wrap up the sermon series, do we truly believe that God is sovereign? Despite what we believe and despite where we are, despite our ethics and morals and all that stuff, despite all of that, in faith, can we declare to God that you are above it all, that you are greater than all, that you are sovereign? And who am I to question your judgment, your decision, your will? 
I really believe that God is calling our generation, the Christians that are alive today, I really believe God is calling our churches to rise up, to repent, that we have forgotten about God's sovereignty, that we try to make fit God into our pockets, that we try so hard to fit God into our own ideologies and all that stuff. In fact, it should be the other, other way around where, Lord, in faith, as I study the word, as I continue to abide in you in prayer, as I continue to grow and be the God-fearing men and women of God that you have called me to be, Lord, forgive me that I'm trying to apply my way, not yours. I really believe God is calling the churches to, to rise up and repent. And it's never too late. It's never too late. Even if you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, even if you're in your teens, early 20s, whatever, 80s, 90s, it's never too late because why? God is still gracious and compassionate to us. The same grace and mercy, the compassion, the love that we witnessed in Jonah because why? God could have easily got rid of Jonah. Are you going to disobey me? Okay, goodbye. And then maybe he could have, God could have brought a different prophet and, and fulfilled this mission. But instead, he stayed with Jonah to show his grace and mercy. That's the God that we worship and we love. That's the God that we worship and we love. Let's pray. God of mercy, God of grace, God of hope, God of truth, God of life. We ask for you to come and fill our minds and our hearts in this very moment, Lord. We ask for more of you and less of us. And we pray, Lord, for, for your forgiveness and your mercy that some or many of us, our posture of worship and our heart has been off, but God, we're here because of your grace. And we ask that, Lord, will you speak to us this morning? Remind us, O oh Lord, that it's not our alarm clocks that wakes us up in the morning, but it's you. That it's not our task and our agendas that keeps us going in life, or our dreams, or our success, any of that stuff. But Lord, it's you, Lord, that keeps us going in life. That you have called us to be part of your story. So sovereign God, humbly and gracefully we ask, will you reveal, reveal to us how great you are and how small we are, Lord. And all this is, Lord, this gathering, everything that we do here, it's all for you and you alone. Nothing else and no one else. That's not about feeding our egos or our morals or anything like that. But it's all for the glory of our Savior. It's to live out the great commission that you have called us to live out. It's to love you wholeheartedly, not out of, not out of obligation. But it's to love our neighbor as we love ourselves because of your love.
and to live out the gospel life because the very gospel life has saved us from hell. They've given us eternal life. So Holy Spirit, be with us, lead us, and let our worship be pleasing to your heart, and it will glorify your name and your name alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Amen, and we're going to continue to worship church as we give back to God because every, all the financial blessings that we have, it's all from the Lord, amen. And so there are a couple ways to do it. You can Venmo us, Christchurch VA. You can use the app. You can go to our website and click on give. Or even the offering bins, they're back. And so, yeah, let's continue to worship Jesus.